Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. I hope that your day has gotten off to a great start. We are spending our last few minutes together. We've already done the podcast for January, month five of our Authority Digging Deep Study, the video podcast, and this is our last dig a bit for the month of January. And since we didn't have very much time on our video podcast to discuss 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where I wanted to spend just a few minutes today, and I hope you have time to listen to this before you go on and begin month 6 of our Digging Deep study. This is the very last day of the month, and I hope that you're caught up with the study, but if not, just work a little bit harder and catch up. I had a few questions come back about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we didn't have time to really get to that a lot in the podcast. One of the reasons for that is that we've discussed that several times before in our studies, in our previous studies even, and so I wasn't sure if there would be a lot of interest in us getting to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, so I kind of put that on the back burner, but turns out there are some several new people in the group who had questions about 1 Corinthians 2, and certainly I don't have all of the answers about the Holy Spirit, but I do believe that it's very important for us to always put to use the very first rule of Bible interpretation or homiletics, we call it. And that rule is to let the Bible be its very first interpreter. Let it be the very first commentary on itself. So what that would mean for us in practical terms is that we would always take the very plain passages, the passages that we would have trouble understanding, the passages that are so simple that they just jump out of us and we can't find a way that those passages could ever be contradicted because they're so very clear. It's those passages that we pick out first. We have to be sure that the passages that we're having difficulty understanding aren't conflicting in our interpretation with the passages that are very, very clear. So I believe that when we look at 1 Corinthians 2 at the end of that chapter and the ultimate goal there is in the last verse to have the mind of Christ that we have to look at some other passages maybe first before we look at that. First of all in 2 Timothy 3 16 we read that the Word of God is the scriptures there it actually says are thoroughly furnishing us to every good work. It tells us that they're profitable for some things. For doctrine, that's all of the teaching that we need. They give us the doctrine. We're talking about the written word gives us the doctrine. It gives us um, the reproof that we need. That is the proof that we need uh, for our convictions, the evidence that we need for our convictions, for our faith. So we have our teaching, our evidence that we need, our correction. That means that when we're going down the wrong path, if we consult the scriptures, it will convict us and bring us back if we need correcting. So doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in And here is a specific area of instruction in right doing. It teaches us everything that we need to know 
about right doing. And so it's our manual for righteousness. And then it says this interesting phrase, that the man or woman of God might be complete or perfect, thoroughly furnished to every good work. Have you ever thought about that, that there's not one single good thing that you can do that the Bible doesn't prepare you in every way, in teaching, in giving you the conviction that you need in correcting you there's not one single good path that we can take that the bible doesn't thoroughly furnish or equip us to take so that passage right there is a very clear passage about the guide that the scriptures actually are to our being right or righteous in the eyes of god and it gives us According to this, really, that verse is kind of repetitive even. It really wants us to be sure that we know that it's good for all of these things and that we have this big assurance that it's not only good for these things, but it's A-L-L, all we need for everything that we need to be in God's economy and in His eyes. If the Holy Spirit then, we need to know from this passage that if He gives us something else besides the Word, He's not giving us something else that we need because we already have the thorough furnishing of the scriptures that were originally given by the Spirit in the first place. So the Spirit has given us everything that we need already in the scriptures or the written word, script. The root word of scriptures means in the written word, in the words that we have in the Bible. So we have just there a carte blanche statement of the full provision of knowledge that we need by the word given by the spirit in the scripture. And that verse is in very understandable terms. So if there are other passages and there are that are a little bit more difficult to understand, we would have to let this clear passage and other plain ones shed light on those that are a little bit more difficult rather than the other way around. We did talk from Ephesians and Colossians a bit about the mystery, and we can clearly conclude some things about the mystery that we talked about on the video podcast. That is that the mystery was revealed in the day of Paul. It was revealed in whatever time Paul was writing, and we can see that clear statement from our study of Ephesians and Colossians when we were studying about that mystery. We learned that it was, uh, we actually learned that from Colossians 1, 25 and 26 and from Ephesians 3 verses 2 through 4, that the time of its revelation, the mystery, has already passed. It was way back in the first century. And then we talked about a little bit on the video podcast about the subject. And from Colossians 1, 25, whatever that mystery was, its topic was Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 25 and 26, and His grace, Ephesians 3. So whatever it is that we need, the grace of Christ to save us was in the mystery. And then we learned in our video podcast that its value is richness and glory. It's going to give us heaven. Whatever that mystery is, it's going to give us heaven. And then its purposes, we learned from Colossians 2, 2, were to comfort us, to gather all people together, Jews and Gentiles, Ephesians 1, 10, into Christ, and to give us understanding of what we need to know, Ephesians 3, verses 4. So this revelation has already been done in the very first century, and it gives us what we need to know for heaven, and it gives us the comfort and the assurance that we need in this life, and it gathers all nations, Jews and Gentiles, together into one first century revelation. Then its owners are God and Jesus, Colossians 2 verses 2. 
verse 2. And we know there that whatever we have that's a secret, we if I know something and the rest of the world doesn't know it, I own that information. It's my information. I didn't depend on somebody else to tell me that. If I have some information that is about my personal life, for instance, I own that information. And it's up to me whether I dispense that information or not. The owners of this information that was revealed in the first century were God in Christ, according to Colossians 2.2. The mode of transfer was words. It was spoken words, Colossians 4.3. It was preaching, Colossians 1.26-28. It was writing, Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4, of which I've written to you, Paul said. And it was the writing and speaking of the apostles and prophets, those people who were given direct revelation from God, Ephesians 3, verses 4 and 5, revealed that to the rest of us in the New Testament day by their preaching and speaking and writing. And now we have it preserved in writing. And then it's very important to notice, number next, that there are other names for it. In Ephesians 1 verse 9, it's called the will of Christ. And in Ephesians 6 verse 19, it's called the gospel. We have a definition of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. So that... What was going to happen with Jesus, the delivery of the truth for our salvation because he came, lived, died, was buried, and was resurrected, that was the mystery that was held by God in Christ in all of the Old Testament days and revealed in the first century. So when we look at the New Testament, it's really important for us to remember that mystery is just that which was concealed till revealed. That's a pretty easy way to remember. It's that which is concealed until revealed. If we add to that list that I've just given you another plain passage, which actually defines the mystery, has the word mystery, and then a colon after that word, and then it just tells us. It just tells us plainly what the mystery is. And that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And there the scripture says, without controversy, says this is something we shouldn't be arguing about, that the mystery is great. And it's a mystery of godliness. And then it has a colon. This is without controversy, the great mystery of godliness, colon, God, he who was manifest in the flesh, that's Jesus, God in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles among the nations, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's the mystery of godliness. And it is that Jesus came in the flesh. The angels testified of his life here on the earth. He was, he was preached to the Gentiles. He was justified in the spirit. He was believed on in the world. And then he ascended back up into glory. That is the mystery of godliness defined because we have a colon there after the word mystery of godliness. And it says, this is it. It's that Jesus came in the flesh and he was believed on while he was here because 
angels testified to the fact while he was here on earth that this is God. They ministered to, to him at the time of the temptation, remember. They testified that this is God in the flesh. He was justified in the Spirit. The Spirit descended like a dove and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Every testimony while Jesus was here on the earth declared the gospel. This is the mystery. This is the good news. It's happening now. And then it was revealed to us as we really had uh, so much scriptural evidence to point out as we discussed this on the podcast. It was revealed to us in the first century. So if you hear people in the religious world today talking about, uh, you know, I, I was with a lady the other day and and I know that, that none of you listening are probably in, in this situation in your life where you would have a thought like this, but this lady had a, a shiver run up and down her, her spine and she said, oh, there's the Holy Spirit. There's the mystery. That's not the mystery according to the New Testament. It is that which God concealed throughout the Old Testament days, throughout the other dispensations. And then as we learned in the podcast, dispensed through Paul and the other holy apostles and prophets and completely revealed to us. That's the definition from 1 Timothy 3.16. And I love that it's easy for Cindy Colley's lame mind to remember. That's the mystery of 1 Timothy 3.16 defined. And then 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the scripture, the script that God wrote out, that means the words in writing, those that script is given to me and is everything that I need providing me the correction, the instruction, the doctrine, the reproof, the proof, the evidence that I need of the gospel. It gives me everything that I need and thoroughly. That means just bathes me in the equipment that I need to do every good work. I just want to say that if we are groping for some other guidance, if we are seeking for something outside of the Word, then we aren't trusting God in His assurance that He gives in 1 Timothy 3.16 and in 2 Timothy 3.16 in the assurance that He gives us that this Bible that we hold in our hands is all that we need to go to heaven, to go to glory. It is the mystery of the gospel. The new covenant is the mystery of the gospel. And we hold it in our hands and we read it. And we have everything that we need to do every good work. And you're saying, but aren't you limiting the Holy Spirit? No, the Holy Spirit spent the first century and much before the first century, but especially the first century, the life of Christ and the era of the miraculous. He spent that time pouring out on this world an extreme degree of the miraculous so that he could give us this all-sufficient word that we've just studied about as we studied in the video podcast about the mystery and as we've studied First and Second Timothy 3.16, each of those passages, as we look at that, if we aren't assured that in this word we have everything that we need to follow the Spirit, then what are we saying about the miraculous era, all of that 
extreme power that was poured out through the miraculous in the first century we're saying well that wasn't good enough that wasn't good enough to deliver the word as the scripture has told me that the Holy Spirit has done that wasn't good enough for me I need more you know this book that we hold in our hands is the product of an extreme amount an extreme pouring out of the miraculous he poured it out so that he could prove in the first century that this is the Word of God and then he said not only is it the Word of God it's all that you need it furnishes you to every good work I really want to depend on the Word of God because the Holy Spirit did his amazing job and we read about that in 1st Corinthians 13 that all of those miraculous gifts the prophecy the supernatural knowledge the gifts of healing and the gifts of speaking in other languages all of those things were to give us proof that what was perfect that which was perfect bottom of the chapter says was coming and then that which was miraculous that extra knowledge that those abilities to prophesy those abilities to heal those abilities to as Paul would say it move mountains all of that miraculous ability was going to stop because it that miraculous ability of course was dispensed we know from Acts chapter 8 apostles those who had witnessed Jesus in the flesh had to come and lay their hands on people to distribute those miraculous gifts. That's why the people in Samaria didn't have them. They had been baptized, but they didn't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that miraculous gift. So the apostles had to go there. Philip was there, but he wasn't an apostle. He had to call for the apostles and the apostles had to go there in Acts 8 before those people could have the miraculous. Well, can we have that miraculous knowledge today? I would say no because there's no apostle to come there are Phillips all around us who are teaching us the Word of God from the scriptures but there's no apostle to come and give us that miraculous knowledge and furthermore we don't need it because that which is perfect has come as a result of the previous miraculous that occurred in the first century the Holy Spirit showed people in that day by signs and wonders that they could not deny before they had the written New Testament that what the Apostles and the prophets were speaking and preaching as we talked about what they were speaking and preaching was truth and then they wrote it down so that I don't have to even depend on 1st Corinthians 2 seeing those miracles I has not seen I don't have to look at that I've got it written down everything that I need neither an ear hasn't heard I don't have to depend on an apostle telling me or preaching to me today because those apostles wrote down what the Spirit bore them along first Peter tells us to write down for us God breathed all scripture is inspired of God it is God breathed and so that miraculous in the first century confirmed that what the apostles and prophets were saying was true and they wrote it down for me so that now I don't have to have a miracle to know I don't have to have an eyewitness I don't have to depend on what somebody is saying I has not seen neither has ear heard neither has entered into the heart of a man the apostles and prophets in the New Testament God breathed into their hearts and their pens his words I don't have to depend on him 
laying something on my heart today, putting something in my heart. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered into the hearts of men. First Corinthians 2 says, those things which God has prepared for them. What was God preparing? What was God preparing all throughout the Old Testament dispensation? The mystery, the gospel, which he revealed in the last days. I don't have to depend on any of those things today, but I have the mind of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 2 goes on to say that it's not in man's words. I don't have to look at the Bible and say, well, this is what Peter and Paul thought. This is what Matthew and Mark thought. It's not in man's words, but it's in the words which the Holy Spirit has spoken. 1 Corinthians 2 gives me such assurance that I don't have to depend on, on seeing on hearing, on having something laid on my heart, but I have the words, not man's words, but the words which the Holy Spirit has given. It goes on to say that how can anybody man know what God's thinking unless God tells him? Just like I can't know what any of you who are listening are thinking unless you tell me. And God then, it says, told us, not in words that man speaks, but in that of the Holy Spirit in the words of the Holy Spirit, so that the bottom of that chapter, the very last verse says, so that we have the mind of Christ. So who is it that can't discern or rejects, doesn't understand the revealed will of God from 1 Corinthians 2? It says the natural man. That word natural only appears one other time in the New Testament, and that's in the book of Jude, verse 19, where it's translated as sensual, S-E-N-S-U-A-L, sensual. Sensual, worldly people aren't going to receive and appreciate the words of the Spirit as delivered by Paul. But those, rather, who are choosing to seek to be governed by God and His Spirit, the rational souls, that's the Greek meaning of spiritual man here in this passage in 1 Corinthians 2, those rational souls, the ones who are choosing not to be worldly and sensual but looking at the Bible logically, those people are the ones who are going to more readily receive the words of the Spirit and so have the very last verse, the mind of Christ. Paul said that he and others have the mind of Christ. He had it in words. It was delivered in words, we see, not words of man, but words of the Spirit. And so we too can have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 is an amazing chapter, but we really need to interpret it in light of 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. I'll leave you with this. There are three very important 316s. John 3.16, I think you can quote, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I really want to have that life, but i got to believe in something. Well, how do I find what it is that I want to believe? Well, it is a mystery up until the time of the revelation, but the next 3.16 is 1 Timothy 3.16. And it defines there for us the mystery of Godliness. Here it is, that Jesus was God in the flesh. He was seen of angels. He was justified by the Spirit. And then he lived and died, and, and then he ascended up into heaven. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is the love of John 3.16. John 3.16, 1 Timothy 3.16, and then 2 Timothy 3.16. And 2 Timothy 3.16 just really makes it very clear that the mystery has been revealed, that it is revealed in the written word. That's what scripture means. And it's given by the inspiration of God. It's God breathed and it's profitable. It is good for four very big important things that we've discussed. 
And then the passage closes by saying, and it completely, that means thoroughly, that means all the way, with nothing lacking, equips us to every good work. Oh, our God is not the author of confusion. He has given us everything that we need so that we can have heaven. I don't think that any of the things that I've talked about today are conjecture on my part. I think that that 1 Timothy 3 verse 16 is a very, very plain and clear passage that really helps us to exegete passages that we might look at at first and say, wait, what does this mean? But we have from God everything that we need to know that pertains to life and godliness. And so I hope that you're going to keep seeking. I hope that you're going to keep digging. And together as we go, we will have the mind of Christ given to us through the Holy Spirit. And I hope you have a great day for Him today. Have a good weekend. Begin your month six of our authority study. And let's keep digging together. Don't get discouraged because our God has given us everything that we need. Have a great day. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.